You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Alexa, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Monday, this is going to be an interesting week of Locked On Pelicans since I haven't been with you guys for a little bit. Took last week off, need a bit of a break. Also, we're hitting that slowdown period here in the NBA free agency offseason, whatever you want to call it, where just things aren't moving as fast as they once were. But there's some Pelicans news. We're going to cover that here today. This is the only day I'm going to be with y'all. We've got guest hosts for Locked On Pelicans the rest of this week. The crew of LockedOnPelicans.com is going to be taken over, so you'll start hearing from them come tomorrow while I'm out at a conference for the Real Dave job during this time and really unable to record. So get some new voices, get some fresh listens and different things like that in here. So it's going to be a lot of fun and I can't wait. But in the meantime, some news to talk about. Trevon Blewett is officially a Pelican on a two-way contract. We'll talk about that. I'll let you guys know a little bit more about his deal as well. Let's look at another guy who I thought the Pelicans might have signed to a two-way contract who's signing one elsewhere. That's Walt Lemon Jr. doing it with the Celtics. We'll mention that as well. And then the Pelicans had some free agency news coming up last week also. Uh, Yogi Ferrell all of a sudden went back on his deal with the Mavericks. Not ending up coming to New Orleans, but we'll still talk about it and we'll talk about some other free agent news that is broken throughout the NBA. So let's jump right into everything in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. So Summer League has officially concluded, and while the Pelicans didn't win and win the, the Summer League title, I guess that's a thing, yeah, they, they got a championship for it, and didn't really have anyone who made the All-Summer League Roster, which is a little interesting. By the way, if you want to know, the Summer League MVP was Josh Hart of the Lakers, probably deservedly so. And then the first team all Summer League was Hart, Colin Sexton of the Cavaliers, Kevin Knox of the Knicks, who, by the way, looks like he's going to be great in New York, Wendell Carter Jr. of the Bulls, and Christian Wood of the Bucks. And then the all Summer League second team is Trey Young of the Hawks, uh, who's going to get a real big starting role now that all of a sudden Melo is headed there. And uh, Dennis Schrader is getting sent in return uh, to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Of course, Melo going to be bought out. Wade Baldwin, the fourth with the Blazers. DeAndre Ayton with the Suns. Jaron Jackson Jr. with the Grizzlies. And I have no idea how to pronounce his last name for the Lakers. But another one of them on there as well. So that's your all-summer league teams. But Trevon Blewett got better than or a, a better gift I don't know what you want to call it award than any of those guys did because he's got his two-way contract here when he went into this without one of those and without an NBA contract and was an undrafted player blew it in four games for the Pels averaged 18.3 points per game uh, shot 56.5 percent from the field including a staggering 53.6% from the three-point range. Um, over his first two games, he scored 50 total points um, while hitting six three-pointers in each one. Pretty damn impressive. And 
the Pelicans need a shooter like this on the team. And at six foot five, he's got good size. I don't think you look at him to play on the wing. He's definitely more of a two guard in that mold. And I think it's going to be a great opportunity for him to go out there and try and maybe earn some significant minutes here. So two-way contracts, we've covered this on the podcast before, but it's worth talking about again. You get 45 days of NBA time, basically, and otherwise you're in the G League. After those 45 days, at that point, you've got to get converted to a regular contract which then takes up a roster spot. You can sign these two-way contracts for one or two years. I'm assuming this is a one-year deal. Maybe it's got two in there. Who knows? But the terms were not disclosed. So he's going to get a real chance to impress in training camp. This coaching staff feels he certainly has a leg up on maybe other guys going into training camp that are looking to make the roster too. And the Pelicans were smart to sign him to a two-way deal, not to an actual roster spot right now. He's still a little unproven. He's got four games of summer league under his belt. Of course, three more games of Summer League than Frank Jackson, but different situations. So that's kind of where he stands right now. He'll get every opportunity in training camp to play and to earn significant minutes. And the way the Pelicans might look at this, if he is a capable shooter that they'd like to have on their roster long term, they might use a lot of those 45 days kind of up front early on. And if he impresses during that time, well, you can convert him to a, a regular contract at that point. The Pelicans do tend to value roster flexibility, so I wouldn't be shocked if they go in with one open roster spot into the season, whether it's for an unbalanced trade or maybe to bring Blewett back with the club and keep him with the parent team the entire season. So I think that's the way they might go about approaching it. But of course, nothing's decided with this team just yet. I don't think they have an idea of who their starting point guard is or they have an idea, but they're going to kind of experiment in training camp preseason, see maybe if it is Holiday or if it is going to be Peyton or if someone else might be coming in too. So right now things are still up in the air, but certainly Blewett is going to get every opportunity to succeed. And that three-point shooting was great in those first two games. Still pretty good the next couple of games, so he came back down to earth once teams really started to kind of mark him out of games and defend him properly. Properly goes to show you you don't want to give a guy a huge contract after just two games of summer league because he did come back down to earth. But still, it's fun. It's exciting. This is a guy you want to root for who can hopefully do well and is certainly going to give the Pelicans a chance um, to to see if he can or the Pelicans will give him a chance. I'm rusty, you guys, if you can't tell. Uh, the Pelicans are going to give him a chance to earn significant NBA minutes. And certainly if it does work out, that's going to be great for him and for New Orleans. In other Summer League and two-way news, it was the Boston Celtics signing guard Walt Lemon Jr. to a two-way contract as well. He might remember him from five total games with the Pelicans last year, logging just 35 minutes. Bit of a high flyer and a weird, funky shot if you watch his release. But he played well in Summer League for the Pelicans this offseason, and the Celtics moved to really quickly sign him. They cut ties with Kadeem Allen, who was one of their two-way guys, to bring in Walt Lemon Jr. Jr. right after. Look, he's not going to get much time with the Celtics. I think this is a pure developmental thing for them um, unless they get hit with a ton of injuries again. But don't forget, Walt Lemon Jr. last year averaged 22.4 points, 6.1 assists, 4.7 rebounds, and 2 steals per game uh, in 40 contests with the Fort Wayne Mad Ants in the G League. Pretty solid numbers all around. He's kind of a point guard that can also score. So I would have liked to see the Pelicans really try and keep him. Obviously not happening anymore, but hey, that's kind of what happens. So gone from there, but now the Pelicans have Trevon Blewett, who they hope is going to be one of their players of the future. 
So before we get to free agent news, and there's a lot, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Marcus Smart going back to Boston, I got two clips on those to play for you guys, and of course the Yogi Ferrell watch that we've had. Um, don't forget, check out LockedOnPelicans.com. Monday through Friday, always got articles up there for you guys. Check them out. And of course, those guys are going to be guest hosting the podcast this week. So stay tuned from Tuesday on. It's going to be a lot of fun. Get some new voices in here. You guys are tired of me, right? So it'll be a lot of fun. So make sure you listen and subscribe to Locked on Pelicans and read LockedOnPelicans.com. So Friday, we had our first real free agent watch of this offseason. And by free agent watch, I mean this is where we all try and talk ourselves into this fringe player maybe being a difference maker for the Pelicans. We've done this in years past, too. Last season, it was the Dante Cunningham watch. When will he resign? We need him. He's the missing piece. And then, oh boy, were we wrong on that. A couple of years ago, it was the Greg Odin watch in the middle of the season, which was probably the stupidest of all the ones that we've had, where I remember kind of just waiting for news to maybe break so I could write something up on it really quickly, and then it was like, that killed a weekend, and this sucked. So we had Yogi Ferrell watch yesterday, or sorry, Friday, um, and... Yeah, this was the guy we were talking ourselves into being a difference maker for New Orleans this coming year. Yogi Ferrell's a decent NBA player. I won't lie. He averaged 10.2 points per game for Dallas last season. Played all 82 games for him. Started 21. Um, played 27.8 minutes. Averaged 2.5 assists to go along with three total rebounds, which for a six-footer is not too bad. And is a decent shooter from three at 37.3% and 37.8% for his career. But he's undersized and defensively, I think, would have probably hurt this team. But he can create a little bit. He can drive and shoot and do all those things, which, you know, for this late in the free agent period is not a bad thing to get. But he ended up signing with the Sacramento Kings. And this is, of course, after he reportedly came to terms with the Dallas Mavericks. And then before he actually signed, decided to go to the Sacramento Kings, which is the second time this offseason that someone has agreed to a contract with somewhere else, someone else basically backed out of it to then sign with the Sacramento Kings. So the Sacramento Kings using their cap space to steal fringe NBA players and then sign them into that for more money than those other teams were going to sign because they're doing what? Who knows? Not entirely sure. So we had Yogi Ferrell watch. It's okay that he didn't end up signing here. Not a big deal for New Orleans, um, but would have been a nice piece. Just some more depth in that guard position is important. Of course, if you're a fan of Frank Jackson, you wouldn't have liked that since that means Frank Jackson wasn't going to get more time in the NBA. But look, Jackson will get his time and his opportunity. They just don't think he's there yet. Just like Trevon Blewett's not going to get really much time potentially early on or throughout this season. I think he'll get maybe an opportunity in the beginning because he's a shooter and that's what they kind of need on the wing. Frank Jackson does a number of other things and I think they want to see a little bit more out of him before they do that. And they have long-term potential here for Frank Jackson. So it'll be interesting to see, but Yogi Ferrell, of course, not the answer for the Pelicans in this time, which... It's okay. Not the end of the world. Now, we have other big news around the NBA, which we'll talk about, and I'll play some clips for in one second. But, of course, make sure to keep up with all of this. You listen to Locked On NBA Monday through Friday, five days a week. And, as always, I co-host the Wednesday edition, which when you record Tuesday night at around 11 o'clock and then a trade for Kawhi Leonard breaks at 2.45 in the morning, all of a sudden your podcast is out of date immediately by the time you wake up. So, that doesn't happen all the time, so make sure you listen to Locked On NBA when that doesn't happen to keep up with everything that's going on around the NBA. 
So a lot went on around the NBA this past week. So first thing we're going to play for you, it's not the biggest news, but it's one that maybe down the line impacts the Pelicans because, of course, Boston is rumored to be hot after Anthony Davis. Well, they just re-signed one of their good free agents to a pretty decent deal. Does that make you know him attractive in an offer or tradable, different things like that? Who knows? We don't need to break that down today. And frankly, the Pels aren't trading AD. But John Krause, my co-host on the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA, has everything you need to know about the Marcus Smart deal, bringing him back to the Boston Celtics. John Corral is here from Locked On Celtics. Marcus Smart has agreed to a four-year deal, $52 million to return to the Boston Celtics. Might seem like a little bit more than the market dictated, but it was about what Boston offered in an extension prior to the season. So this is about where they valued him. It's less than Marcus Smart wanted, so it's a good deal for all sides. Basically for Marcus Smart, once Atlanta did the Jeremy Lin deal, Chicago did the Parker deal, and Sacramento clearly was not into overpaying for him to lure him away as a restricted free agent, things started to point to a return. The question was, would it be a qualifying offer signing or some sort of longer-term deal? And once the Kawhi Leonard deal was done with Toronto and there wasn't any sort of potential trade between Boston and San Antonio, this deal got done quickly. For Marcus Smart, he is a unique player with unique value to the Boston Celtics. He can guard one through five for them. We've seen him switch onto fives and hold his ground when they try to post him up. So the Celtics value him in their highly switchable defense. He is a key player in their defensive scheme. So I know Marcus Smart is excited to be back in Boston. The Celtics, Brad Stevens, Danny Ainge, have said they wanted him back. They are excited to have him back. But this is also, a key point here, a tradable contract for the Boston Celtics. They didn't have on their books a deal in that 12 to $13 million range that they could use in a superstar-type trade to match salaries. So having Marcus Smart at that number over the next four years gives them that one player who has value that teams may want and has a good tradable contract that they could throw in with maybe some of their younger players and picks to facilitate a bigger deal. So there is, on a team-building perspective, a, a value to Danny Ainge to giving Marcus Smart that kind of money. So even if you think it might be an overpay, there is significant value to the Celtics front office to have that kind of contract on the books. It's also interesting to see how they will structure this contract. There has been some buzz about them giving him a front-loaded contract that descends in value over time because they will need to avoid the repeater tax. They have not been a taxpayer until this upcoming season, most likely. So they will probably try to structure this contract Weirdly, so they can avoid the tax in one of the upcoming two or three years to push off a potential repeater tax for as long as they possibly can. For Marcus Smart, though, four years to return to Boston is a good thing, and the Celtics are running it back. They are going to basically bring back everybody except for a couple of guys around the fringes, which is essentially what Danny Ainge said he would do. So Marcus Smart returns four years, $52 million. Celtics set to go for the upcoming season. So there you have it from John and the Marcus Smart News headed back to the Celtics on a pretty, in my opinion, team-friendly deal. But the biggest news, of course, was the Kawhi Leonard was traded. And for some reason, the Spurs just felt they needed to pull the trigger on this, even though I thought they would have had some more time and maybe could have tried to mend this relationship. But who knows? They're not going into a rebuild, bringing back DeMar DeRozan from Toronto. They're going to still be in the playoff race, though certainly not nearly as 
far ahead as they could have been had they had Kawhi Leonard. But look, this was a team that made the playoffs last year with basically Kawhi out for the season. Now you add DeMar DeRozan back in, you get more of a score, and they can shoot all of the mid-range jumpers between DeMar and LaMarcus Aldridge. Going to be an interesting team, so they're not falling out of contention, so there's, this does have an impact on the Pelicans. But anyway, Sean Woodley with Locked On Raptors. I'm going to let him take it away and give you everything you need to know about the Kawhi Leonard trade to the Toronto Raptors. Hey, what's up? It's Sean Woodley, the host of Locked On Raptors, and holy crap, the Raptors have traded for Kawhi Leonard, uh, a deal that sends DeMar DeRozan, Jakob Pertl, and a first-round pick protected in 2019, uh, 1 through 20, to the Spurs for Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. And this is obviously very big. <laughs> the Raptors are making an enormous gamble with this move. Uh, the Raptors have been sort of fancying themselves a real relevant franchise for the last few seasons after being absolutely irrelevant for 20-plus years. And this is them taking a bet with Masai Ujiri leading the charge that they are going to be able to keep Kawhi Leonard beyond next season. And even if they don't, there are reasons why this works out for the Raptors as well. Um, but the, overall, this is a bet by the Raptors that they can keep Kawhi Leonard around and convince him that this is the place that he wants to be for his next contract, even though he has said all along that he wants to go to LA uh, with when he becomes a free agent at the end of 2019. So we'll see about that, but the Raptors are betting big here. Uh, this is a big deal for the Raptors because, you know, they're moving on from DeMar DeRozan, who is is a franchise cornerstone. I have vouched that he should have his jersey retired and have a statue built tomorrow. He is, uh, you know, I know people kind of around the league view him maybe with, you know, not the most high praise or whatever, but DeMar DeRozan is a legend in Toronto. He's a self-made all-star who went from being just like a pretty much a slasher and a dunker into being a fully well-rounded offensive player who, you know, he had his flaws, of course, and his flaws are eventually, I think, what led to him being dealt because his flaws are essentially what were the downfall of the Raptors in the playoffs the last few seasons, you know, against the Cavs this year when they got swept for the second time in a row against them. He was benched in game three uh, down the stretch as the Raptors made a big comeback. He got ejected from game four, and that's kind of sad that his last moment with the Raptors is either a, a benching in, the, in game three or an ejection in the game four after playing so poorly because... He's an all-time Raptor. He will have his number retired, and I can't imagine a bigger ovation than the one he will get when he returns to Toronto with the Spurs next season. But overall, this is a great deal for the Raptors. It's a big gamble, of course, but it does a couple things. First of all, they give up Jakob Pertl, who is not OG Ananobi or Pascal Siakam. That is a big deal. OG and Pascal, I think, are the two highest upside prospects on the team, and I was convinced that one of those guys was going to be heading to San Antonio in a Kawhi Leonard trade. That is not the case. They are both here for whatever happens after Kawhi Leonard's first season with the Raptors, whether or not he stays. You know, those guys are going to be here long term, and that is a big win for the Raptors. They're towing the line here a little bit with this bet. Uh, also, it kind of frees up some money going forward. If Kawhi ends up leaving and DeMar is no longer on the books, the Raptors are sitting there with a lot of flexibility, a ton of open money where they can take on contracts, attach the assets to sort of recoup some of what they've given up in order to get Kawhi and over the last couple of seasons as they've, as they've been in kind of win-now mode, and they can pivot quickly to a rebuild. They can move off Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka, who will be expiring contracts at the end of this season, and they can sort of re reset a little bit. A rebuild that was probably coming anyway, in theory, this move might expedite that a little bit and maybe make it a, a one year from now they do a rebuild instead of two or three, and it kind of gives the Raptors a very easy pivot 
shit point to get out of this era and into something new. And I think that's good. I think that's a nice thing to have as opposed to sort of hanging on too long and doing the thing that, say, the Hawks have done or maybe the, the Grizzlies are about to do where they don't quite accept that they have to rebuild and they kind of let it drag out and they don't get max value for their guys. The Raptors have a clear pivot point. And if it doesn't work this, this year with Kawhi Leonard and he moves on, the Raptors can easily go into some sort of new era where they're building around OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, DeLon Wright, uh, and, and these guys who were really good this season, maybe not star players or franchise cornerstones in the future, but they're nice players to have. And then that'll be the next era of the Raptors. But considering where they're at, considering sort of how they got a little bit stale with the fan base the last few seasons, considering just all of the, the pressures on Masai Ujiri to make a big move to try to get a superstar on this team. This is not a team that's going to sign a free agent superstar. This is a team that has to trade for one. And, you know, considering their assets, considering that they would have been outgunned for a regular superstar by teams like Boston and Philly, it makes sense that the Raptors did this trade to get a guy who, in Kawhi Leonard, who is a top five player, an MVP candidate when he's healthy and playing, uh, to get him on the team. You know, this is the best way for the Raptors to go about this. And if they can keep him beyond this year, it is an absolute grand slam of a deal for the Raptors. I have a lot more on this deal, all the different ramifications of it uh, on Lockdown Raptors. So please check it out on the iTunes feed. And uh, thank you for listening. There you have it. Biggest story of the NBA over the past week and the landscape of the association keeps changing. Been pretty wild. Make sure you keep up with everything over at the Locked On Podcast Network. Podcasts for every team and of course the NBA podcast Monday through Friday as well. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. Guest host the rest of the week as I will be up in Dartmouth for a conference and hopefully have some Wi-Fi and I'm not just stuck in the middle of nowhere. So thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all next week. 